0: Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee brewers by Peter and David Goh. Welcome to this week's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Goh, here to do a solo episode. Unfortunately, Peter unable to join us. Something about a a wedding coming up or or something like that. Uh, Not really sure what could take the importance over this podcast, but unfortunately, he's unable to be with us. Uh, Unfortunately, looking ahead, we might have a couple more weeks where he isn't able to be with us Uh, but that's okay we uh, still will be providing some content for you guys some more uh, episodes and i'm excited to still cover the brewers who really have been very up and down lately mostly down but um, pretty up and down a little bit more inconsistent than the start of the year we'll be diving into some other topics i think we have a a pretty fun topic on tap for us today Uh, has the brewers rebuild been successful Uh, that's a question that i don't really think it gets asked much but It'd be a question that you probably would have asked yourself maybe four years ago. Looking ahead, you know, has the Brewers rebuild been successful? Uh, and I think that's something that is worth taking a deep dive into. And something that's really interesting. You know, you look at uh, the Cubs and Astros. Maybe had a little bit more of a linear path to a successful rebuild, I don't think the Brewers have had that. So that's something that we are going to cover later on after we recap uh, some of the games this week. Of course, the trade. Uh, thanks for all who listened to our bonus episode. Um, we were able to get that together uh, from, I was in a hotel room in Tennessee uh, last minute, we we're able to get the podcast together. Um, and that was a very interesting trade. We'll break that down just a little bit more on uh, Willie Adames already having an impact on Sunday's game. Uh, so, Brewers had a pretty eventful week with the trade. Other than that, though, not a great week of baseball. A couple bad losses in Kansas City. They had off on Monday-Thursday, actually, which is a little bit unusual, but then fell 2-0 to the Royals. Good start by Woodruff again. Left, I think it was in the eighth inning. And then Williams came in. I, I do really think that Benintendi was out at the plate. Uh, excuse me, not Ben Ben Benintendi. Benintendi was the one who hit the, the RBI single. But uh, whoever the runner was at. He, I, I thought he was out at the plate. Uh, of course, the umpire didn't think so. The replay officials, uh, either they didn't think so or they wanted to cover for their umpire and not reverse the call. And the call stood and he ended up being safe at home. And then, of course, the terrible error by Luis Urias, which uh, allowed the next run to score, uh, which proved moot because they fell 2-0, were unable to scratch a run across in the ninth. And then they fell 6-4 uh, to four against the Royals in game two of the series. Again, not a great game, a little bit sloppy. Um, Overall, a pretty bad series in Kansas City. You go in hoping that you're able to at least take one out of two from a Royals team that has been slumping lately, and they were unable to do that. FireEisen had a bad outing. Uh, I don't think that's why they traded him, but he did allow two runs in the one inning of work that he threw, and then Boxberger allowing two more, uh, which really just made the issue worse or made the score worse. I think it became a 6-3 game then before the Brewers were able to scratch one across off Stalmont, but didn't really end up mattering in the end. Another good start wasted by both Woodruff and Burns. I think Woodruff went seven and a third and allowed uh, two runs, but only one earned. And the one that scored that was earned was an inherited runner from Williams. And then, uh, the, the, Start by Burns. Six innings, two hits, two runs, nine strikeouts, one walk. He did allow a home run, uh, but still a very good start from Burns. Brewers unable to win that one too. I mean, uh, I don't remember the exact record that they are um, in games that Burns and Woodruff start, but I think it's around 500 and maybe even a little bit below. When you have maybe two of the top three pitchers in the National League, that's really unacceptable out of the Brewers' offense that they aren't even able to score three runs, maybe four, four runs uh, when they need to. The team batting average right now is 212 for the Brewers. Uh, They are struggling so badly with the bats and perhaps the Willie Adamas trade uh, will help a little bit. He hasn't really hit that well this year either, but maybe it will provide a spark bringing in just a new face into the lineup. Hopefully it does uh, and we'll break that down a little bit. But they ended up going then to Cincinnati, fell in the first game 9-4 again. Really not a great game. Uh, not too much to say about that one. And then they were able to squeak out a 4-3 win. Daniel Robertson, with his first home run in like two years, something like that, came off the injured list and he hit a big home run uh, to take the lead for the Brewers in that 4-3 contest. And they were able to uh, really shut the door in the back end. Uh, Williams to Hater, kind of like how they have hoped that games would go a little bit more often this year. But uh, we're able to take that one four to three. Of course, it was a game that Anderson started uh, that they decided to win. And then the Brewers offense really erupted for nine runs. Outstanding game and took that last one nine to four. Uh, Freddy Peralta with an okay start, four and two thirds. Walked four, though, struck out seven, two runs. Really just an okay start, especially with the way Freddy's been throwing the ball this year. Uh, but they were able to get to Castillo, Luis Castillo, uh, who's really had a rough year so far—an ERA up over seven. Um, he went five innings, five runs, and Brewers able to take the series actually in Cincinnati. A pretty big series win, I would say, um, and and good to see the Brewers at least get a little bit back on track. Uh, that is a great thing to see, especially with the way they've struggled. Um, of course, we think about especially. The Kansas City series and the Braves series they really didn't look good either. Brewers sitting at 23 and 23 right now. Cardinals and Cubs are ahead of them although they're on Sunday night baseball uh, tonight. Cubs are just a half game ahead and uh, the Reds are sitting at 20 and 25. A couple games uh, under the Brewers in the standings and Pittsburgh is already kind of burying themselves and establishing themselves as the the weakest uh, in the Central which we kind of expected uh, from the get-go. Now moving, though, towards our stat of the day, no trivia question, unfortunately, with Peter not being here, Uh, but it is about Brewers catcher Omar Narvaez, who's been outstanding. It's a pretty basic stat, but among all hitters who have at least 100 plate appearances this year, Omar Narvaez actually ranks fourth in batting average in the major leagues. So he sits behind Buster Posey, Yermin Mercedes, and Jesse Winker, who uh, we won't talk too much about Jesse Winker. I think he hit five home runs against the Brewers this series, Uh, was basically unstoppable. He's essentially the new Jay Bruce against the Brewers. Uh, So uh, not a fun guy to face. And Narvaez sitting at fourth at 348. He's been outstanding this year. Uh, He's been by far the Brewers' best offensive player. And he's really been pretty solid defensively too. That was the big question mark when they they acquired him. Uh, And his defense has vastly improved over the last two years. And the bats come along this year. Uh, perhaps that's why he wasn't hitting well last year, because he was spending so much time on his defensive game. Uh, but now that he's hitting and he's a good fielder, uh, he's really been good when he's been healthy. And that's been great to see, even in light of the Brewers' terrible offense, it's great to see Narvaez hitting so well. Uh, I was looking at the, uh, the league-wide stats, and the league-wide batting average right now, 237 which is, of course, pretty low. I think that's the lowest mark in 2030, maybe even more um, years, more that many seasons. Uh, but the Brewers only have a handful of guys above that mark. The only regular position players they have above that 237 mark, Omar Narvaez, Colton Wong, and Aviseul Garcia. Uh, and then Yelich is also above that mark, who just came back from the injured list and uh, which, by the way, great to see Yelich back. And then utility man Pablo Reyes, who I believe was just optioned out uh, with um, down to Nashville after a pretty strong showing so far uh, from uh, from the Brewers or from Pablo Reyes on the Brewers roster. And then we have today's random player of the day as well. It is a former Brewer, uh, although a quite recent former Brewer. It is. Um, now former relief pitcher J.P. Fireisen, who of course was traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. He actually made his Rays debut already. So Fireisen had a pretty good run with the Brewers earlier in the year. Uh, 21 games already, 3.26 ERA, 19 and a third innings. Uh, so he was really pretty solid up until those last few outings when he, I don't know if I'd say he blew up, but he uh, had a, a pretty bad couple of uh, last outings with the Brewers, but overall was solid. Um, He is, of course, a native of River Falls, Wisconsin, drafted by the Cleveland Indians out of UW-Stevens Point. Bounced around a little bit. He was included in the trade that brought Andrew Miller to Cleveland and then was with the Yankees. The Brewers actually acquired him towards the end of the 2019 season, debuted last year, uh, and then really broke out this year in a big way. Uh, it is a little bit sad to see him go already. Uh, I liked him. I think a lot of Brewer fans liked him, especially just being a Wisconsin guy uh, and a pretty likable down-to-earth reliever. He's one of those guys where um, you kind of see him and like kind of a blue-collar type player. Uh, he didn't have it made for him. Division three baseball player and was a later round pick, 16th round, and then ends up making it to the major leagues and becoming a pretty solid relief pitcher in the process. So, Uh, It's been excellent to see FireEyesen perform well, certainly will be rooting for him in the future in Tampa Bay, along with Drew Rasmussen, uh, and sad to see him go, but uh, of course, an important trade that was made this past week. Uh, And just to go over some of the transactions uh, before we get into that trade a little bit more, uh, there were a number of transactions because they did have to activate Trevor Richards uh, as well as Willie Adames following the trade. Uh, Daniel Robertson, like I said, he came off the injured list uh, from the concussion IL. They activated Christian Yelich on Tuesday. uh, So that was, of course, pretty big news to see him uh, back in a Brewers uniform once again. And he had a home run. He had his first hit at a few walks. Really performed pretty well over the past few games. Jacob Nottingham was claimed off waivers yet again by the Mariners. Kind of hoping that maybe Pena gets hurt and we can get Nottingham back. A little bit of deja vu there with Nottingham being claimed off waivers again by the Mariners. Uh, Brewers also a little bit surprising, but they designated Billy McKinney for assignment. Uh, he had his production kind of uh, curtailed off over the last couple weeks. He was really good uh, earlier in the year, and then really since then, he wasn't that good. Ended up with a final line of 207 with a 260 on base percentage, uh, only slugging, I think, around 400. Uh, so not even 359. So McKinney with overall a lackluster showing, even though he did uh, kind of provide a spark for them earlier in the year, especially with the glove. He was very good out there defensively. They do still have Derek Fisher on a rehab assignment right now, who is another backup outfielder that could step up and Tyrone Taylor, uh, although his offensive numbers have taken a dive a little bit too, still have a, a solid option in Tyrone Taylor. Um, out there in the outfield with the Brewers uh, with the backups and like I said Pablo Reyes was also optioned Alec Bettinger was recalled from Nashville just some minor moves that the Brewers made in addition to of course the trade Uh, and the trade we we, I know we covered it a little bit but um, it does create a little bit of an interesting role change with some of the Brewers. I I do think Richards will be a a multi-inning relief pitcher. Maybe we will make a spot start or two, but I don't see him making a lot of starts unless there's a a couple of injuries. The Brewers did mention that they probably will go to a six-man rotation in the next couple weeks. They don't have very many days off coming up, and I think that that sixth man will probably go to Eric Lauer. Uh, They want to manage their innings a little bit, especially uh, Woodruff and Burns and Peralta, Hauser a little bit too. So having that sixth starter will uh, be important in helping them do that. But I, I do think it will be Lauer. There's a chance it could be Richards, uh, but probably Lauer. Lauer had a strong showing in A Nashville. Five innings, 12 strikeouts, I think allowed only a run or two. Uh, so he's very good. Keston here has actually been hitting the ball really well down in Nashville too. Um, and that's been great to see, of course. Everyone wants to see Keston Hero back in a Brewers uniform, back hitting the ball well. Uh, I, I think most of us believe that he can get back to that place. Uh, but uh, how soon it will happen? Not sure. Hopefully, it's at some point this year. That would be excellent to have a a great bat back in the lineup in Kested here if he's able to kind of regain his form. Uh, the Brewers certainly need his offense, especially uh, Daniel Vogelbach's been just been terrible. I I I hate watching Daniel Vogelbach play at this point. I know he's like a supposed to be like a likable fun guy because he's fat, but at the same time, he's hitting what, 190 or something. Um, It has not been great. He is hitting oh, 212. Wow. 316 on base percentage. It um, has probably been the worst base runner in baseball and a bad fielding first baseman. So uh, those are always my favorite types of players, the ones who don't hit, don't run, or don't field. Um It, it yeah, it's, It's not been fun to see him there. I would be in favor of them even just letting go of him. Maybe move Travis Shaw over to first base uh, and then let Urias get some more reps at third. Maybe Daniel Robertson. Uh, The the Brewers really do need to bring in a bat, though, a corner infield bat, I think. Uh, Hopefully a third baseman, Uh, maybe a first baseman, though, Um, at some point between now and uh, the end of July. I know we've talked about that. Uh, but hopefully Urias can get some more at-bats at third. He had a home run uh, the day after the trade was made, uh, and he's actually been okay with the bat. hes I know he's only hitting .211, but he's taking a lot of walks on base percentage up at 322, one of the better marks on the team. He slugged 390, which for a middle infielder, not too bad. Um, so he's been fine with the glove. He's, he's shown off good range, but of course we all know he's been extremely inconsistent on the routine plays, and that of course, that has to change. That can't happen at the major league level. And I think that probably played into the, the acquisition of Adamus a little bit. Urias, uh, though, if he's able to slide over at third, pretty good defender there. Tighten up the defense a little bit, especially if Shaw moves over to first a little bit more. Um, I think that could be something they choose to do uh, and, and would benefit the Brewers overall uh, if they do that a little, bit, a little bit more often, maybe not every day. Uh, but a little bit more often. And it's also possible that Vogelbach kind of at the end of his uh, his leash with the Brewers. Um, if Hira continues to hit the ball well in Nashville, maybe give him another week or two, we could see Hira back and getting at-bats at first base. Maybe Vogelbach will go and we'll see Shaw mixed in at first base a little bit um, and, and maybe some more Urias at third base. Um, So that's kind of how the the infield will shuffle around. I know we talked about the pitching roles a little bit with Richards. I think Richards will kind of take over that Drew Rasmussen role where maybe pitch two or so innings, maybe three innings in in a pinch, Uh, and probably not in the close games, but maybe they're down one or two runs, or maybe they're up by four or five runs. Uh, That would be a good, I think, a good spot for Richards. He's a pretty dependable multi-inning middle reliever. Uh, and and I think that's kind of where he fits in with the team. I think Adames fits in as a about probably probably hit about fifth or sixth, maybe seventh in the lineup, and be a pretty steady defender at short. Uh, so I think that's what the Brewers are getting in that uh, in that trade. And if you haven't listened to our bonus episode, make sure to do that. Um, we break down the trade in definitely more detail, uh, and it was certainly a surprising trade. Uh, but one, I think it's a risky trade. It's a challenge trade, kind of a lower profile. Uh, trade that kind of reminded me of the Rios and Trent Grisham trade, um, which I I don't really like much reminding of that trade, but uh, kind of reminded me of a a little bit of a lower profile move in that same vein. There's also, uh, we had a a listener that asked if we could cover it, but the way that this is kind of a a baseball specific thing, um, even though it's not related to the Brewers at all, um, but there's been a an extreme uptick in sales of baseball cards on Saturday. It's actually, I think, the the highest amount of sales in baseball cards of any day in uh, world history, I guess. Uh, Honus Wagner, the iconic T206 card, sold for almost $4 million. There's a Michael Jordan card that sold for $2 million. Uh, and they've been going like crazy. There was an incident at Target lately uh, re- or recently that I, I can't remember if somebody... Pulled out a gun, but somebody like attacked another guy after he had violated the uh, one pack per person rule at Target. Um, just kind of a, a messy situation with baseball cards and with the way they've been going. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I feel like baseball cards are one of those things that I don't really think they'll ever die off, or not fully. Uh, I actually would have thought they might have taken a dip, especially with the way that uh, the the online things are going. People don't really like having collections. Uh, but it has been interesting to see um, the way that collectors have really gone after sports cards, especially baseball cards. They, baseball cards were kind of the originals, and they seem like they're always the most popular regardless, um, maybe more popularity than in basketball cards or football cards. Um, I think there's a little also, also a little bit more of an emotional connection uh, with baseball cards uh, than either the other two, three sports. And of course, they make all, all kinds of cards now. But. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting. It's been a big part of baseball. There have been baseball cards, autographs, of course, um, which we haven't seen as many uh, as of late, of course, with COVID. Um, but kind of a kind of a unique situation. Target actually stopped selling baseball cards now at their stores, uh, but they're going like crazy online. Uh, the market for baseball cards has been really hot over really now a year, last year or so. So it'll be interesting to see if that'll taper off. I wonder also if that might affect uh, the way players approach signing autographs, knowing that maybe there's a higher likelihood that they're just signing for a collector that will try to sell off their cards. Uh, you certainly hope not, or, or maybe uh, especially sign more autographs for younger kids, um, because I think that's where fans are made a lot of the time. I know getting autographs for me when I was younger um there is a certain connection you got with the player uh, when he would take time to sign an autograph for you, and I, I do hope that continues, and they're able to continue with that, uh, especially as COVID kind of dies down. Hopefully, the, the the market for baseball cards uh, at least gains a little bit more control. Uh, but thanks to our listener for submitting that uh, that topic for us, um, and kind of a, a weird one, an interesting one, and a little bit different than what we normally cover. Uh, but I mentioned it a little bit at the start, we were going to talk about um, a question that we don't really ask ourselves very often, but has the rebuild worked? Uh, we, with, as Brewer fans, or as a Brewers organization, they entered the rebuild back in, uh, I guess I'd say mid-2015. Uh, they, had a, they had a pretty good season in 2014 for the first five months. They were one of the best teams in baseball, and then they just collapsed down the stretch, finished around 500. I don't know if I'd say the rebuild started, but they traded Giovanni Gallardo that offseason uh, where they got back Corey Knebel and Luis Sardinas, a uh, great Brewers utility infielder. Um, and then after a really bad start in 2015, of course, they saw Ron Renneke. Uh We saw Ron Renneke be fired and then Craig Council took over. Brewers sold off at the deadline and that kind of sparked the rebuild. The question was, is this rebuild going to work? We saw... It a little bit better with uh, some of the other teams, but they their strategies were a little bit different. You take a look at the Cubs, for example. Uh, they really had like four or five years where they were just terrible. Um, they had they they had really nobody that was good. I felt like that was back when like Dale Swain was their manager um, in the days of like Anthony Rizzo. I think was a, like a rookie uh, or second year or something when they were still going through their rebuild, um, but. Having a lot of high draft picks got them guys like Javier Baez and Chris Bryant and uh, Albert Elmora Jr. Uh, and then that freed up payroll space, too, for them to bring in guys like Jason Hayward and John Lester. So that was a little bit of, uh, of what the Cubs rebuild looked like. The Astros kind of similar, although theirs was even more intense. Uh, they were regularly losing 110 games. It felt like for four or five years, also, um, and that really that got them Carlos Correa. It got them Alex Bregman. Um, un- unfortunately, it got them Mark Appel, also, who never made it to the majors despite being a, a number one overall pick and even out at college. Um, but the Brewers were a little bit different, so they had a bad year. In 2015, netted them the number five overall pick. In 2016, they had the number nine overall pick. In 2017, but then already by 2017, the Brewers had won I think 86 games that year. Just fell short of the playoffs. 2018, of course, ended up winning 96 games and fell one game short of winning the National League pennant. The Brewers, um, I think, their rebuild happened a lot quicker than we thought. They didn't really tank. They really were trying, I think, at every point, just maybe put a little bit of a bigger emphasis on prospects uh, for a year or two. Um, and it definitely did not turn out the way that you would have expected as uh, an organization. But I do think that it has turned out at least better than better than maybe some people give credit for. Uh, so we're going to go back to July and look at some of the trades they made uh, that kind of started the rebuild. I, I'd The first trade, I think the first piece that kind of fell was July 23rd, 2015, the Brewers traded Aramis Ramirez to the Pirates. They only got Jonathan Berrios in return, but it kind of signaled the start of the rebuild. The Brewers were now selling, um, and they were out to make deals. July 29th, the Brewers had a trade in place to trade Carlos Gomez to the Mets for Zach Wheeler and Wilmer Flores. Of course, that trade ended up falling through, and for the better, really, uh, because the Brewers then traded him to the Astros along with Mike Fiers, Um, in exchange for Brett Phillips, for Domingo Santana, Josh Hader, and Adrian Hauser, and that was really what got the rebuild going. They uh, were able to receive a number of good prospects in return uh, for Gomez and Fires, and that kind of, like I said, that kind of um, kick-started the rebuild. Uh, That offseason, then, they traded Jacob, or they traded chris davis excuse me for jacob nottingham and bubba derby unfortunately neither of those guys really panning out they traded gene segura and tyler wagner and they got back chase anderson aaron hill and isan diaz who was a a pretty good prospect um, who ended up being in the Yelich trade Uh, they traded adam lind for freddie peralta and two other guys peralta was just i think a 19 year old at the time and they also traded k rod to the tigers in exchange for manny pina and another prospect by the name of javier Betancourt. then in the 2016 uh, midseason, they traded lucroy and jeremy jeffress and that's the one that got them back lewis brinson luis ortiz and ryan cordell they also traded will smith for phil bickford and andrew susak going into the following offseason still kind of in rebuild mode although not quite as much Tyler Thornburg to the Red Sox, um, and and they received Travis Shaw, Mauricio Dubon, Josh Pennington, and Jason Coca, um, and that kind of was the last I'd say like the last sellers trade that the Brewers made. Uh, you look back and you think, wow, the, the Brewers really kind of missed with the trades. They had a lot of these pieces, and they got a lot of prospects in return. You know, they traded they traded Gomez, Fires, Aramis Ramirez, K Rod, Adam Lind, uh, Gene Segura. Chris Davis, Jonathan Lucroy, Jeremy Jefferson, Will Smith, Tyler Thornburg, and who'd they get in return for them? That really, uh, the guys that ended up having an impact on the Brewers themselves, um, Manny Pina, Freddie Peralta, I guess you could say Chase Anderson, um, since he did have a, a little bit, a, a few solid years, um, and that's really about it. Phil Bickford, couple outings. Andrew Susak, backup catcher. Jacob Nottingham also, backup catcher. But really not much from the rebuild as far as the trades go. Uh, however, they were able to use some of those pieces to get Yelich. I mean, Brinson uh, had been acquired from the Rangers. He went in the trade. Isan Diaz was also went in the trade. And he was also um, acquired, like I said, in that Gene Segura trade. Um, And just a quick look at the Brewers' top prospects at the end of the 2016 season. Um, And it really seems like they missed on a lot of them. They had Brinson was number one. He hasn't really turned out with the Marlins. Corey Ray, number two. We haven't really seen him make an impact at the big league level. I don't know if he really will at this point. He debuted, but I don't know that he's really a big league player. Josh Hader, of course, has been one of the best relievers in baseball. He's definitely turned into a great player. Uh, Luis Ortiz, he was sent in the Jonathan Scope trade, never really panned out. Phil Bickford, kind of a, a bust. Trent Clark, who's now uh, Trent Grisham, uh, they traded him, of course, in that Padres deal that the Brewers probably would like to have back. Um, and he's turned into a good a good outfielder, but it's not like that's really netted much in return for the Brewers. Um, now, now he has been a good player, but not for the Brewers. Brett Phillips, again, he was in the Mustakis trade. Uh, but he he didn't really turn into anything uh, that notable. Isan Diaz, he was in the, the, the LH trade also, not that notable. Mauricio Dubon um, helped them bring back um, Drew Pomeranz for a half year. Gilbert Lara was a, a homegrown guy, kind of a boss. I think they traded him at some point. Cody Ponce. Also, hasn't really turned out. I think he's with the Pirates. Might have, I think he made his debut, um, but I don't know if he's even in the big leagues. Marcos Diplon, no impact at the big league level. Cody Medeiros hasn't made the majors. Jorge Lopez, not really an impact at the big league level. Just kind of been a like a replacement level, like spot starter for a couple teams. I think Baltimore and um, Kansas City, I think he's with Baltimore now. Uh, Nottingham, like I said, also not really an impact at the big league level. Uh, Monte Harrison hasn't really either. Lucas Urseg, not really either. Ryan Cordell, not really any impact either. So look at the Brewers' top 18 prospects at the time. Hayter has made a big impact for the Brewers, a few in trades. And then Trent Grisham now is a very good player with the Padres. Um, But you think about two, really two out of the 18 ended up becoming very good. And you think there's no way that the Brewers' rebuild could have been successful. But it was really the Brewers that... They developed the kind of the lesser known guys and the um, maybe the not blue chip prospects, but the decent prospects. You look after the top 18, and you've got Devin Williams, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. Um, you've got a couple guys who haven't really turned out Nathan Kirby, Demi Arimoloy, Jake Gatewood, and then you got Brandon Woodruff, uh, who's of course become the Brewers ace. Even Tyrone Taylor looks like a pretty good backup outfielder. Uh, Mario Feliciano could end up being a starting catcher in the future. And you're looking at two of the top five pitchers in the National League right now. Another very solid starter in Freddie Peralta. Devin Williams, one of the better relievers in baseball, uh, in addition to Tyrone Taylor and Mario Feliciano. And the Brewers really did well with the back end of that. Um, the prospects. Uh, maybe not the back end, but the kind of the mid-level prospects. The Brewers really have done well with them. And it's been that homegrown talent um, that they've been able to Develop. They've been able to develop pitching really well. It really seemed like they were going to develop hitting well, um, and they really fell flat with pretty much all of their hitting prospects. I mean, just a quick look at the Brewers uh, position players, and the only homegrown position players they have are um, uh, Tyrone Taylor actually is the only one. Um, I guess Lorenzo Cain, but that doesn't really count. Um, yeah, so uh, kind of interesting the way that the rebuild has gone really not at all as you would have expected. Uh, the Brewers did end up trading guys a little bit sooner than um, than expected because they ended up being uh, a little bit more competitive um, earlier on in the rebuild than we thought. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I would say that it has been successful but not at all in the way that you would have expected. The Brewers have had a lot of not great trades and yet they're still somehow at least a 500-ball club who's made two playoff appearances, or really three if you count last year, fell a game short of the World Series, a game short of the playoffs, and very much could be vying for a division championship this year. And it's really surprising uh, when you look at the number of misses on the trades, um, the Chris Davis trade, the Luke Roy trade, um, even the uh, the more recent trades like Jonathan Scope, Um, or trading a guy like Brad Miller for G-Man Choi and then end up they they don't have either of them and now both of them are at least average everyday players Um, they've missed on a lot of guys and they've still been able to kind of overlook that with the way that um, the way that Burns and Woodruff and Peralta have been developed so in short I would say that the rebuild has worked Um, I think that it's Probably pretty reasonable to say it's been about as expected as far as the results on the field. Maybe even a little bit better, but in a very different way. Um, you, you Certainly the guys who are making an impact with the Brewers right now are not the guys that you would have expected to make an impact. And the ones who you did expect are either still in the minor leagues or really not doing much at the big league level. Um, so a little bit interesting to take a look back at the rebuild and um, whether or not they've been successful. I think the next couple of years will kind of dictate that too. Um, even just thinking about next year, Avi uh, Garcia will be off the books. Travis Shaw is a free agent as well. Vogelbach will presumably be gone. Um, Brett Anderson will be gone also. So they have a little bit of money to spend, maybe about 15 to 17 million, depending also on their uh, their revenues for this year. I, w- I would assume. Uh, But will the Brewers be able to get, I think, a first baseman and a third baseman? Are there two clear needs? Um, And I think going into 2022, 2021 this year, um, but also next year in 2023, we're in the prime of Yelich. Um, We've still got Woodruff and Burns and Peralta under contract and Hayter and Williams. That really good core that you say, are we able to put those couple pieces together to go from being an above average team? to a great team philosophy is kind of get as many bites of the apple as you can have as many opportunities and then if the Brewers are 10 games above 500 at the trade deadline add a couple pieces hope things go your way a little bit in the postseason and maybe get uh get into the NLCS the World Series um and get a couple wins there uh, but I don't know if the Brewers will be able to do that with their current roster or even with just a small addition. The, I think there might be a little bit more that they need to add on. But I think now is the time to do it. I think uh, when you have to, you, you think about it, the Brewers weren't really supposed to be competitive until 2019 or 20. And they were way ahead of schedule. So I think now you, you could never have expected Yelich to become uh, one of the best players in baseball. You couldn't have expected Woodruff and Burns um, to become two of the best starting pitchers in baseball. And Hayter may be the best reliever in baseball. But now that you do have them, how are you going to maximize them and really take advantage of that uh, in this sh- pretty short window? They've got about three more years um, of these guys under contract to, except uh, Yellich, but uh, really well he's in his prime, to um, capitalize on them and potentially bring a World Series home to Milwaukee. Uh, hopefully the Brewers are able to do that. Uh, I trust Stearns. I think he'll do a pretty good job, but of course, you never know. And it's tough to win a World Series. So um, I don't know that you say that the Brewers have to win a World Series for it to be successful rebuild, because the reality is a lot of teams are going to go through a rebuild and never even make it as far as the Brewers have already made it. The Brewers were um, one win away from a World Series. Uh, You look at a team like the Phillies, their rebuild. I doubt the Phillies will make it with their current crop of players. Um, or a team like the Pirates right now? Will the Pirates ever get there? I don't think so. Or the Reds? The Reds, um, not looking like they're not going to, not looking like they're going to make it that far. Uh, so you have to say that the Brewers have been pretty successful, but maybe in a different way uh, than you would have expected from the rebuild. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode, though, just kind of recapping what we talked about. Um, of course, offense struggling still, but at least Omar Narvaez has been a bright spot, hitting 348 this year. Burris had a little bit of a rough week in Kansas City, and then uh, we're able to, to get a couple wins in Cincinnati. Um, and of course, the most notable news being the pretty big trade with Tampa Bay, one of the bigger trades that you'll see in the first half of a season. So a little bit of a surprise from Stearns, um, but leave it up to uh, Stearns and the Rays. Uh, it seems like Stearns and uh, Tampa Bay always having good uh, good trade partner uh, partnership, and the Rays are always making trades. Uh, Stearns makes a lot of trades too, so um, not too surprising, I guess, but still a little bit of a surprise uh, this early in the year. Uh, we looked at a little bit of the impact that baseball cars have had on the game. Our listeners submitted a topic to go over and kind of an interesting look at the market for baseball cards right now and the the, the role they play in baseball. And then we took a look at um, whether or not the Brewers' rebuild has been successful. Nobody really talks about whether or not it has been, but I do think it has. And I think that you just kind of have to look at where the Brewers' at and have realistic expectations for how difficult it is to build a winning ball club in the major leagues. Uh, Thank you for listening to today's episode, though. Um, Be sure to check out our Twitter account at Brewers Podcast um, or go to our our website at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com. Give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying our podcast. Um, We appreciate ratings and reviews very much, uh, and we certainly welcome them, especially if you do enjoy our podcast. Or you can uh, donate to our page on Anchor. There's a link down below um, if you would like to donate to um, uh, the work that we do for our podcast. But thanks again for listening. Hopefully the Brewers are able to get a few wins uh, this upcoming week. Um, They do have, um, uh, I think, seven games this week. No days off. Uh, No days off for a little bit. But heading into the end of May, we're now getting past the early stretches of the year and they're playing four games at home against San Diego uh, and then three games in, in, uh, in Washington against the Nationals. So, Tough series against the Padres, but hopefully the Brewers are able to turn it up a little bit against a pretty good Padres team, and uh, maybe the Brewers are able to um, get a couple wins in, uh, against San Diego, and then they go to Washington, so hopefully able to go 4-3, and 5-2. and two. Of course, we always say that, but um, I think it's important now as they're heading more into the middle stretch of the year to get back on track, uh, and hopefully the offense is able to pick it up a little bit. Uh, Now with Yelich back, Kane's playing better. Jackie Bradley Jr. maybe starting to show signs of turning it around a little bit. Willie Adamas, of course, the new addition at shortstop. um, And hopefully lending to decreased playing time for my favorite guy, Daniel Vogelbach. Sorry, Daniel, if you are listening to the podcast, I apologize. Um, But tough week for the Brewers. Hopefully they are able to uh, play a little bit better baseball and kind of bounce off of this good series in Cincinnati. But that's all for today. And as always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.